absolutely incredible that we get to be a part of something like that. It's what church is all about, and you'll be hearing more and more about For Africa in the days and weeks and months to come. We started a brand new series last Sunday called New Plan Pivot. Can you look at somebody next to you right now and say, pivot, pivot. You got to say it with your Ross Geller voice as loud as you can. And we're saying that in 2020, God has flipped the script on a lot of us and said, hey, new plan. There's no plan. The plan is for you to pivot. The plan is for us to be so adjustable, so flexible, that at any given moment, we know on one foot where we're standing firm, which is the glory and fame of Jesus, which is our identity as children of God. But we also have another foot that's willing to change directions at any given moment because God is the God of the pivot. And we believe that in this season together as a church, God is causing things to change for our good in the midst of so much chaos and confusion and uncertainty. And so I hope that that sermon encouraged you. I hope it's something that we're going to look back on. We're actually going to stay in this season for a little while longer. And I want to take us in the scriptures to the greatest pivot in the entire Bible. If you have your Bible, hold it up. Come on, church. Hold it up. I see Bibles in this room. This is amazing, guys. We got about 14 people in the room who brought their Bible. It's beautiful. We hope you're holding it up at home. Hold it up. You haven't got to stretch out that Bible muscle that you lift up every Sunday in a long, long time. Even in this room, okay, if you're, if you're single, keep it up. Everybody else keep it down. This is just fun to go back in time and go, oh, wow, all the single people are on this side. I didn't know all y'all were taking, okay. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul once again, but at this point in the story, Paul's name has not been changed from his original name, Saul. And so when you turn to Acts chapter 9, you're going to see a title, a heading that says, Saul's Conversion. This is the conversion story of a man who God used unlike any other man. The man who wrote so much of the New Testament. The man who literally penned the words that we started this gathering with from Romans chapter 8. I want to show you in the book of Acts when Saul, who became Paul, was actually a Jewish Pharisee. And in the context that we're going to read, Saul was persecuting Christians, going after them and being a part of some of their deaths, some of their imprisonments, and trying to stop this thing called Christianity that wasn't even called Christianity at the time. It was just called the way. And you're going to see that in Acts chapter 9. We're going to start in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. If you're there, say I'm there. Here we go. Meanwhile... I don't know why. I just love that word. It makes me feel like it's like one of those old Batman movies. Like, meanwhile, over here, because in Acts chapter 8, there were all these amazing things happening through a man named Philip. And then it's like, meanwhile, on the other side of things, something else was happening. Let's read it together. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Anytime I read the story of the Apostle Paul before he knew Jesus, I like to stop and remind people that we are reading about the same man who carried the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth and changed the world forever. This is him. 
He's not just persecuting Christians. He's seeking out new opportunities to be able to persecute Christians. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Here's the translation. No one is disqualified from being used mightily for the glory of God when Jesus changes their life. You might be believing today that you're too far from God. You might be believing today that you're down and out and that things are never going to change and you're totally disqualified. You just need to be reminded from the word of God. This is where a man named Saul is going to be changed forever and he's seeking out Christians to take their lives. It says he's seeking permission to go on a journey to find more of them and lock them up underneath the umbrella of the Jewish leadership. Look at verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. This is the ultimate encounter with Jesus where Saul is literally taken aback by the presence that he can only name out loud as Lord. When you see Jesus, and particularly you don't know who you're seeing, the only word that comes to mind in that moment is Lord. Whoever you are, you're in charge. Whoever you are, you have authority. But Saul is going, I don't know you. Who are you? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now that's an interesting line because Saul and Jesus have never met before. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in this sermon, but it's interesting that Jesus would identify himself directly as unified with believers in his name. And Jesus says, your life is about to change forever. You're going to go into the city and be told what you must do next. Verse 7, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. Saul has an encounter with Jesus that changes him forever. And in a moment, one moment with the Son of God takes the leading persecutor of Christians and transforms him into the leading ambassador for the glory of Jesus all over the world. That's called a pivot. That's a major pivot. That's a complete 180 in a different direction, which might sound like a crazy story to you and like something that only happens to somebody with a testimony or something in their background that seems like, man, they were going in a totally different direction. But it's actually the story of every single person who has ever called on the name of Jesus. Anybody who's a Christian has a pivot moment where they see where their life is going and they have an encounter with Jesus and they decide, you know what, I'm moving in this direction, but I'm actually going to turn That's what repentance means. I'm going to turn. I'm going to change my mind and go in this direction because Jesus is so much better. But what I want you to see from this story is that the result of an encounter with Jesus affects Saul's sight the most. Did you notice that in the passage where it says that the men traveling with Saul stood speechless? They heard the sound, watch this, but did not see anyone. And then Saul gets up, he saw Jesus, the men he was with did not see Jesus, but he gets up and now he's blind and can't see physically and has to be led by those men to where he was told to go next. 
So even though Saul is blinded physically, he is awakened spiritually. And everything about our relationship with Jesus is about the spiritual sight of Jesus, the ability to have an encounter with the vision and the voice of Jesus that changes our lives forever. And that's why we've been talking about looking to the word of God. That's why we try to create moments where you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is speaking to you because we believe one encounter with Jesus can change your life forever. But more than that, one encounter with Jesus will always change your perspective. You might want to write this down. Every encounter with Jesus leads to a change in perspective. Every encounter with Jesus leads to a change in perspective. So when you have a moment where you know Jesus has showed up and shown you something, you'll never see the same. And you'll never go back to your vision of your life the way you did before. And that's why I've waited until now to give you the title of this sermon. I want to give it to you in this moment. This sermon is titled, I'll Never See the Same. I'll Never See the Same. Could you look at somebody next to you and say, I'll never see the same. I'll never see the same. Now, that that sounds backwards, right? It sounds like, no, 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 it's I'll never be the same. That's the phrase that we're used to making. But here's the thing. When Jesus calls for a pivot in your life to happen, what's caused is a pivot in your vision. And more than I believe God wants us to leave 2020 behind going, wow, things will never be the same. Things are going to be different forever. I believe God's, God wants us as believers in Jesus to walk away going, you know what? I'll never see the same. I was telling our staff team a couple of weeks ago at a staff retreat that we had, I said, you know, I would love it if more people at ACC left our church, not like left physically and literally, but walked away from their experience with ACC, not necessarily saying I'll never be the same. That experience impacted me so much. I would love it if people walked away saying I'll never see the same. My perspective has changed forever. Because you usually say I'll never be the same about an emotional experience. And you usually say, I'll never see the same about something that has changed the way you look at your life forever. And here's what we're trying to do as a church. We're trying to give people what's called a biblical worldview. And it's a vision where you don't see your life through the lens of what you thought life was about before. You see your life through the lens of the scriptures and your entire life becomes a response to what's true about God from there. I believe people need a change in perspective. And I believe if we leave behind everything that's happened this year, simply saying things will never be the same and we'll figure out in hindsight everything that's going to be different from here. And then 10, 20 years from now, we look back on 2020 and go, wow, that was a game-changing moment. I think that would be a tragedy. I don't think God wants to change our lives in hindsight. I believe God wants to change our lives in foresight. And he wants to teach us how to look forward differently based on an encounter with Jesus that is readily available to us. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think back to a moment in your life that in hindsight looks so different to you now than how it was when you originally experienced it. I can remember 
it was like almost a decade ago, I became the youth pastor of the church that I had been serving in. And so the promotion onto the pastoral team got me invited to the ministry lead retreat, which was like all the pastors on staff getting away for a couple of days. Now, I assumed that this was going to be, you know, a group of guys who are getting away, praying together and, and just dreaming about what God's going to do. It turns out I was on a church staff team with pastors that had other things in mind. And so I ended up on this trip to Fort Deposit, Alabama. You ever heard of that? You ever driven by it on your way to Mobile? And and so we went to Fort Deposit, Alabama, and I'm with all these pastors who are mostly dads who are getting a moment away from their families, getting a moment just, just, just to be fully themselves. And so all of a sudden, I bring my bag in, and I'm like ready to go, got my Bible out, and all these men are getting out all this ammunition, all of these weapons, all of this dynamite, all this stuff that they're like, I haven't got to use this because I've been at home and now we're on all this land and let's go. This is the first time I ever shot a gun. This is the first time I ever went fishing. I know that's a big deal for a lot of you. You're like, it took you 22 years of your life to actually do this stuff? Yes, I did things like go to the mall in the movies. And so and so I'm on this trip and I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so out of my comfort zone. I remember one of them as a joke, like made me shoot a shotgun for the first time and I didn't know it like kicked back as hard as it did and I was sore for like a month. And so anyway, don't, don't judge me because this story is actually real. The reason why I tell you this story is because there was a moment on the way to Fort Deposit, Alabama. Remember, we're driving from Atlanta, Georgia. So we got to drive on I-85 South, and I remember this moment. I remember several of the men in the car went to Auburn University. And so we're driving by Auburn, and they say, that's, that's where Auburn is, right down there. And I said out loud, I've never been there. And the irony of that moment for me now in 2020 is I look back at that and I go, oh, wow. I had no idea in that moment that I was literally driving by the home I'm going to live in with my daughters and my wife and this church that God's going to build and this life that God is going to build. And it just, it looks so different for me now in hindsight than it looked in the moment. And I thought about that this week and I thought, you know what, is it possible that maybe there's a moment like that happening today that we're totally unaware of? So we always look back on defining moments and go, that was a defining moment or that was something that I did not see all that was coming in the near future. But it never really makes sense until we get past it. What if we had the faith to believe that one encounter with Jesus could change everything about our future today? What if we stopped spending our lives looking backward at all of these things and trying to figure things out as we backpedal into the future? But what if we turned and saw forward in faith and said, no, 2020, if it's taught me anything, it's taught me that I don't need to see things the same way. I'm going to stop looking backward and I'm going to start to create the future. I'm going to start to move forward and believe that one encounter with Jesus today can still change everything. And if he can change everything about a man named Saul, change his name to Paul, and set him on mission to change billions of lives and write parts of the Bible, he can do something amazing in your life. We don't give God enough credit. But what God wants to change today is not necessarily our feelings as much as he wants to change our perspective. We're waiting on the next emotional experience. We're waiting on the next sermon. We're waiting to read the next book and find out that next set of knowledge. And I do believe knowledge is powerful. But we are learning about knowledge of a very real Savior who wants to set us forward 
with brand new vision. And so this would be the tragedy, church. It would be such a tragedy if you walk through everything that's happened in your life this year and you have no idea what you're going to look at differently. You have no idea what you're going to relate to differently. And the only way to really let your vision get changed is to have a vision of Jesus. We've been trying to set you up with so many ways to do that on your own time. And some of you have discovered for the very first time, it doesn't take a church building for you to meet with Jesus. You can do that on your own time. And I have been doing that. I've been spending time with my heavenly father and asking the question, God, what is the change you want to make in my life? As I said a couple weeks ago, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Speak, what is it that you want me to see differently? And God is saying the word pivot. See, when you pivot, you don't change your position as much as you change your perspective. Like when you pivot, you're still standing in the same place. But if I pivot this way, I see different. If I pivot this way, I see different. What God wants to do is show us things from new perspectives so that we can relate to the people around us and more than that, the God who loves us so differently for the rest of our lives. And so this is going to become a very candid conversation. God's shown me a lot during this season, but I believe the word he has for our church are three different pivots he wants us to make with our perspective. And I believe he wants us to say, I'll never see the same. If Saul has this moment and becomes Paul and everything changes, I think 2020 could be that type of a life-changing moment. Not just in our church here in Auburn, Alabama, but in the big C church around the world. So if I never want to see the same, here's three pivots we got to make with our perspective. Somebody say pivot. Pivot. Y'all got to stay with me. Number one is this. Things I'll never see the same. Number one, I'm going to see people over plans from now on. People over plans. I tend to view my life moving forward in regard to accomplishments, plans that I have for my kids, for my marriage, and for my career. And I would say regardless of your age within our church, you probably think of your life similarly. You got the plan for what the next five years looks like. You got sort of on paper when you want to get married and what college maybe you want to graduate from if you're in high school and what things look like moving forward. And we tend to measure our thoughts and feelings about our lives in the here and now by how much things are happening according to plan. But what 2020 has so graciously, not so graciously, done for us is removed any semblance of normalcy that we have with our plans. Now, all of us know that every plan we have for our day could be taken up in a moment's notice. And so what's happened during this season for me is I'm going, I don't want to measure my life according to my ability to accomplish plans anymore. I want to measure my life according to the people around me who maybe beforehand I was just seeing as background noise. Now I see they are the point. People are the commodity of a wealthy life, not money. Like true wealth is measured in meaningful relationships. And while I think I could have said that a year ago, I think I could have said that five years ago. I felt it during this season. Many of you have felt it in isolation. You felt that the accumulation of stuff and comfort and esteem and accomplishment does not compare to having people in your life around you who you know love you with a love that comes from God. This is about people. And what's amazing about Paul's encounter with Jesus is Jesus says, I'm Jesus. 
whom you are persecuting. If I'm Saul, and I'm not seeing this vision that he's seeing, so I'm sure he didn't feel like arguing, but if I'm Saul and I'm in any mood to dialogue, I would say, I haven't persecuted you. I haven't done anything to you. I've never met you. I'm persecuting those people. And Jesus is trying to get this across to Saul, and he's trying to get this across to us. They are me. We are the body of Christ, church. And the power we have to encounter Jesus is multiplied 100-fold when we take our one-on-one times in our Bibles and our one-on-one times in prayer and transfer that into a life-giving community where we go, I'm not going to do this life alone. You want to encounter Jesus, you have to encounter people. And so from now on, it's going to be people over plans. It's not going to be the way I saw my life going that I put so much stock into and so much of an investment of my time and energy. What if you took your eyes off of your plans for your life and just looked around at the people that you barely noticed recently? What if you just looked around at the impact that you could have in the world? And God takes a man named Saul and breaks his heart for the very people who Saul was setting out to break himself. It's about people over plans. That's number one. So I say pivot, pivot. Number two is going to hurt even worse. Number two is this. I want to see kingdom over country. Kingdom over country. If it was laughable to put your hope in the United States of America before 2020 as your savior or as your foundation for what you believed was going to be the change the world needed. It is at this point absurd to think that our country should have your hope for lasting change to happen in the world right now. I love our country. It has a complicated past. It has many things that need to be lamented over. And I've been listening, even in my own spirit, in my own family's history, to things that I can do differently in ways that I can relate to people differently. But what this season of not only coronavirus, but the acknowledgement of the racial divide in our country has done for me personally, is it has completely taken my perspective off of waiting for the United States of America to make a change and looking at the church of Jesus Christ to be the hope of the world because that's who we are. So I do think you should participate in what's happening in our country. I do think you should vote. I do think you should advocate for social change. But you do need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the kingdom of Jesus is the only lasting, meaningful change that can truly give life. And I'm worried about some of the things that are being said when people say things about Jesus like, well, Jesus, Jesus would be on the front lines advocating for social and political change. Really? I hear people say that and I'm like, no, 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 no. Jesus doesn't join the front line of your movement. Jesus invites you to join the front line of his movement, and he defines where we go and what we fight for and who we're going to encounter from there. We don't bring him into our thing. We are submissive to him on the journey. And yes, there is a very real fight. And yes, we raise our voices. But we do so in submission to his glory and his story and his word, not grab him and copy and paste him into whatever our political agenda is. Either side. Because Jesus is not advocating one way or the other in November. I promise you that. 
I know that because Jesus lived in the Roman Empire, guys. This is huge. You'll go, oh, man, if Jesus was alive today. You know, Jesus was a slave. The Jews were oppressed in Rome. And not once does Jesus advocate for a political strategy or a candidate or a leader to rise up. And not once does Jesus stand up and go, I'm that leader. Jesus goes, that's going to happen. Participate, give to Caesar. What is Caesar's? Give to God. What is God's? What is God's? Your heart. We've got to see kingdom over country. I believe the U.S. has her best days in front of her. And I want to be a part of that. I'm not saying that doesn't matter. I'm just saying if it's not clear who your Lord is, your perspective is off. And I'm never going to see the same. I want to see change. I want to be a part of it. But that change will come underneath the umbrella of the local church. And I believe we are the ones who need to be carrying the love of Jesus to the people who have been maligned. What does Jesus do? He shows compassion to the people in his life. Please show compassion to people who are hurting more than you share your opinion. Please develop your opinion based on the words of Scripture, not how you are feeling today. And please make it more than anything about looking inwardly than looking outwardly. The kingdom of God, this is what's complicated about following Jesus. The kingdom of God will expose yourself more than it will reveal anything in front of you. And what will happen is as you let Jesus in, he'll start to identify some things in you that go, no, that's off. That's got to change. We got to check that. And he lovingly calls you as a member of his kingdom to be truly a part of an eternal story that he's writing. So what has 2020 done? It's caused a pivot in my perspective. I'm going to see people over plans. And I'm going to see kingdom over country. Number three, somebody say pivot. Pivot. Everybody take a breath. <laughs> On three, you're like, what's Miles about to say? <laughs> Was that okay? I don't know because you're not in here. But let's all breathe together and get ready for number three because this is going to be even more heavy. People over plans, kingdom over country. Number three, eternity over temporary. Eternity over temporary. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen, that's eternal. I believe that what we're doing at Auburn Community Church can only be seen in the correct perspective when we look at what we do through the lens of the eternal story that we're a part of. And I'd love to tell you that before this year, that's the way I always saw things. But a lot of times, I'll leave behind a Sunday at church, I'll leave behind moments in my office and meetings with people, just thinking about doing church and making it through another week, not remembering that this is not our home. Heaven is our home. And there's a story in the life of our church that's just awakened me to that recently. This week, I got to be a part of the funeral of a young man named Davis Kelly. And several of you heard, many of you didn't. He was a student who was a part of our church for many years during his time at Auburn University. Family is from Birmingham. And he tragically passed away the weekend of July 4th at Lake Martin in a swimming accident. And in talking to his father right after this accident happened, I was awakened once again to the weight of what happens here. This is what Davis's dad said to me. He said, Miles, I raised my son in a Christian home. He knew who Jesus was his entire life, but Jesus did not become real to him 
until he was a part of Auburn Community Church in college and found community and woke up to the call of God for his life. And that hit me like never before because I realized that's not a college student who came in and out of our church and moved on with his career. That's a child of God who's in heaven right now and enjoying Jesus forever. Because at the end of the day, this story is not just about here and now. It's about there and forever. And when you start to view your life through the lens of eternity, instead of what's right in front of you, brand new things start becoming a priority and brand new urgency starts to become awakened in the way you go about your day today. We got a virus that is killing hundreds of thousands of people. We've got news stories every single day reminding us of the brevity of life. But let's just be honest, in 2020, for the vast majority of us, we have been behind screens and we've been numb to that. Church, I just want to say loud and clear, every single one of us will die if Jesus does not come back before the day that that happens. And before you take your last breath on planet Earth, why don't you decide to lift up your eyes and live for an eternal story instead of everything you see right now? It's all temporary. There's something so much bigger. There's something so much more worth living for. There's someone. His name is Jesus. He alone has our hope. He alone has our worship, and He alone is the one who can change our country and our world. So we look to Him right now. Would you look to Him where you are right now? Would you bow your head and close your eyes right where you are? I just want to challenge you in this moment. If one encounter with Jesus can cause us to never see the same, what are you never going to see the same? Who are the people God is calling you to put your eyes on instead of just thinking about your plans? How can you be a part of the kingdom of God spreading on planet earth instead of spreading more hate and division, whatever side you find yourself on? And most of all, what does it mean for you? What does it mean for me to wake up to the eternal story that we are standing in right here and right now? Heavenly Father, this is uh, heavy. This is a lot. And so I pray that as these words go out and as this message goes out, your Holy Spirit would communicate to every single individual what needs to be said. And God, that you would open our eyes. I truly mean that. Open our eyes spiritually to see differently. God, would you pivot the perspective that so many of us have held on to for so long. But I believe the only way you can do that is if we encounter you, Jesus. So as we sing to you now, don't let this just be a moment where there's a song on a screen or a gathering coming to an end. Let this be a moment where our perspective gets lifted and we walk away going, I'll never see the same. And I refuse to go back to the way things were before. We love you, Jesus. We need you to invade this space. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.